0: This is the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech fan number 18, the Daily, Post-Mac World Expo. And David, David Cohen returns. And it's a beautiful, blustery, freezing cold, much snow on the ground, February here in the MyMac.com publishing studio headquarters, David Cohen.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: The nerve center. The nerve center. The nerve center. Where the, center where the magic the happens. Course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been an insane uh, two and a half weeks, to be quite honest with you, David.
1: I can appreciate that.
0: It's... Um, First of all, as anybody that's listened to this show, you know, at all, you know that I was at the Macworld Expo last week and I was there, what was it, Tuesday through, well, basically Sunday. Uh, Guy Searle of the MyMac podcast and I took a red eye out of San Francisco on Saturday night and, of course, I didn't get home until, you know, noon the next day, Sunday. Yeah. And then I had to be in Chicago for Mac Specialist, the company I work for, on Tuesday um here Here's the thing, David. I don't know if you watch the news much, but we've had this thing called a blizzard yeah, I had it was pretty bad yeah it was it was really, really nasty. What happened was I was stuck well, I closed the store early on Wednesday night. I'm sorry on Tuesday night. It was just really, really coming down. And on... No, I'm sorry. That was... Yes, Tuesday night. And on Wednesday, we didn't even open. And I literally stayed in the hotel room all Wednesday. Yeah? I never left. I couldn't leave because there was a four-and-a-half, five-foot wall of snow at the end of the driveway of the hotel. So I literally could not leave the hotel. And... uh yeah, all the snow is still here. It's not like it's melted. Yeah. So that was fun. <laughs> How's your uh, week been? I know you did a MyMac podcast with Gaz, which I have to uh, admit I, I haven't listened to it all yet.
1: Yeah, it was fun. We got got a chance to uh, to get together and um, and do that. It was oh it was wait nice. a minute.
0: You know, I did listen to it. You were you were doing the whole get bit about Guy. Yeah. I did. That's I did right, listen yeah. to that. I, yeah. I apologize. I did. And
1: that that was that was just as you were you were kind of heading over to uh, San Francisco. We recorded that last week. So, yeah, uh, yeah.
0: I got it posted on the MyMac site right before we left because I listened to it on the plane. Or no, I right. listened to it on the
1: drive to the airport, uh-huh. leaving for MacWorld. Yeah, it was it was fun to speak to Gaz and and do a do a show with him. It was a bit of a different dynamic. It was good. Um, I and, like it. I uh, think you guys
0: are good on the uh
1: microphone together. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun and uh, it was nice to uh to be able to do it at a different time of day, uh, kind of a different vibe to it. That was good.
0: I think the last time the two of you were alone was when you interviewed him on the MyMac show. When you were the host and he was the interviewee. Uh
1: he did well. We d- we did a piece for the uh 300th episode. Uh that was probably the last time we we spoke to him when he was kind of interviewing me. Oh, Um, that's right. I forgot about that. So you interviewed him, then he interviewed
0: you, and then you guys do a show together. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, that's the way we roll. That's just the way you roll. A lot has happened in the tech world in the last couple weeks, David, and I think from my perspective, putting Macworld and all the new product announcements that was made there aside, uh, something really significant to me, anyways, happened on the iPad. Uh, Rupert Murdoch and company released The Daily. And yeah,
1: i like it have you downloaded it yet yeah i have uh, i have an american because it's not available in the uk right i have an american itunes account so i've loaded it on my ipad and um you know it's 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 fairly nicely done um particularly once you get the front screen is pretty horrible kind of using cover flow for pages so yes i don't i don't enjoy that myself it's it's not it's not it's not this necessarily bad idea i mean it, it it doesn't really add anything, and it. it's actually not well done on that particular application. It's a bit stuttery. Once you actually get into the content, I think it works pretty well. Um, it's uh, it you know it, it kind of presents itself fairly uh, fairly evenly, fairly well. There's 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 a awful lot of interactivity to it. Um, there's interactive adverts as well. There's videos and that sort of thing. So um, you know it, it's it's different, and um, I think publishing on the magazine publishing or news publishing the ipad kind of needs something a bit different um so so from that perspective it's good i would be interested to see how it pans out i think that the biggest for for me as a uk reader the biggest perspective problem for me with it is the um the kind of the political tone of the content is that going to be uh, objective to make it make it an interesting read. I mean, is it going to be a New York Times or is it going to be a Fox News? Is is the the thing that's interesting to me? I think it probably has to find its own
0: voice. Still, I mean, it's literally less than a week old now. Yeah, and like any publication, it takes a while to establish your identity. Um, I do hope they're a little bit more center mm-hmm. rather than left or right leaning. Mm. Um. I'm not seeing any particular one slanted point of view yet. Um, It is kind of still a little bit um, down the middle. And and I think you need that. You know, leave the politics
1: out of it and just give us some news. Well, I hope it stays like that. And obviously, as a um, as a UK, um, as part of the UK audience, I'm interested to see. What they do when they push it outside the states, and when that happens as well, is it going to be a rapid rollout across uh, across the world with a with reach Obviously, it needs to be regional content. And it needs to be localized for the country where it's being published, um, or is it going to just stay as a as a U.S. experiment for the moment? We'll be interested to see. I do like the fact that there are actually some
0: games that you can play within the app. You can play Sudoku. There's a word, um, what do you call it? Word puzzle. What? I'm crossword. just crossword. Thank you. Mm. It's been a long two weeks. Did I mention <laughs> that already? <laughs> it, I think it's really a great idea. There are some flaws with the execution so far, but I think those are things that will be worked out fairly quickly as you know more and more people start using it, and they figure out what works, what doesn't work, what people want, what they don't want, and start to custom tailor the experience according to user feedback, and. Mm. I, but honestly, right out of the gate, I've got to say it's really, really good. Well executed. Yeah. It's a little slow getting new content, even on a very fast Wi-Fi network. Um, the app itself is a little bit at times stuttery. I don't know if you've noticed that. Turning, yeah. turning pages occasionally, it, it, like, thinks about it for a second. And, um, But, again, it, it's growing pains. I think that will probably be worked out. The bigger question, David, is $0.99 cents a week or $40 a year. It's the first subscription-based publication on the iPad. Um, it's not the first electronic su- subscription. You can do that with a Kindle mm. but and stuff on online, the websites out there. But this is something different. And my question to you, David, is... Do you think subscription-based content like this of this nature on the iPad
1: uh, will be successful or not? I, th- I think um, I think at the price level, it is. It probably will be. I mean, forty um, bucks a year is just nothing. No, and and I suspect most people won't go for that. They'll go for the ninety-nine cents a week option, um, but it's substantially cheaper than than any other. Uh, I mean, newspapers on the Kindle, I think, is about £14, £15 a month for The Times or The Independent here in the UK. Um, So um, that is substantially cheaper. Now, it would be interesting to see how the conventional newspapers kind of respond to this, really. Uh, And obviously, Murdoch himself owns many of those here in the UK, so um, he's kind of undercutting himself. I'm not really sure how how that's going to work. I think it's an experiment.
0: Yeah. Because I know that they're not making money with the subscription model online and on the Kindle. I know they're, not, they're losing money compared to the print version. Um, I think this is him jumping in with both feet, leading the way. If it doesn't work, I, he'll just cut his costs and you know get out of it. But I think that he's convinced it will work. I personally am as well. I think they've executed very well. The content itself is good. I mean, I don't care how much flash it has, and I don't mean you know Adobe Flash. Um, I don't care how pretty the pictures are, how many three sixty panoramas they put in there. If the content isn't good, if the written word that I'm reading on the page is not good, I'm not going to use or or subscribe to it.
1: But here's the thing: I mean, we've had a we've had a lot of. Experiments with free giveaway newspaper, daily newspapers here in the UK. Um, there's one called the Metro that's pretty much given away everywhere, and um, in London, the Evening Standard, which used to be a, a, an evening paid for paper, has gone to free as well. The difficulty with that is that often, what happens is over time, the quality does decline because they're not making a lot of money from the publication itself. The, uh, they tend to take shortcuts on the stories so they're either republishing from somewhere else or what they're doing is they're taking Royce's fees and everything and just kind of typing them up but with no editorial gloss on them and um, the thing then becomes very, very uh, it, if it doesn't have any kind of editorial direction then it becomes very dull to read uh, and you get an awful lot of pap stories and that sort of thing and and that, that to me is the way you need to, is a, is a a mistake you need to avoid if you're going to go down the uh, kind of subsidized or um, very, very cheap route. And I, I certainly wouldn't like to see the quality decline over time. Now, those print publications? They are, yeah. Yeah, see?
0: Here's the problem with print. Print is very... I don't mean the people that work there. There is a cost associated with that as well. But just the art of printing a newspaper and distribution, and retail sales, and subscription, and there's huge costs involved in all of that, yeah. and that's why newspapers need to have a big staff, not to write the news stories themselves, but for everything else that goes along with it, the salesmen, the people who take phone calls to put classified ads in, I mean, it's just huge. You get rid of, quite honestly, 70% of your overhead by going electronic, and yep. if you can maintain if you could if you could take the cost savings from that and basically buy a really good staff of writers and content producers i think you get something like this new
1: publication the daily because yeah well it, it seems really good so far i, I agree with you and I, but i just hope it stays like that because <laughs> Any financial director will tell you that's fine. But if you then look at that bottom line, you've got that writing stuff, and then you start thinking, well, maybe I can use um, news feeds and blogs to do that and and pay people by the word and make it much cheaper. Maybe I'll do that in the future as well. And, of course, that brings the quality down. So I, to me, it's, it's, it's about staying the course with that model and not kind of cheapening it out over time. So we'll, we'll just have to see. I mean, time yeah, will tell. time will definitely tell. So what else is going on
0: in the tech universe that I missed while I was at Macworld Expo, David? Is there anything, like, major news that happened?
1: There was a lot of fuss over the announcement of the uh, replacement for the PlayStation Portable. Oh, okay. I don't know so how much of that you saw. Uh, that was the PSP2. Yes, yeah, so I think it's been called the uh, NGP, is, that, is how it's being referred to at uh, the moment. Sony is so bad when it comes to... Well, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know whether that will actually be the launch name or not. Um,
0: uh, I did see some pictures, and I read about it briefly. What got my attention was two things. The screen looks like it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Um, so that was one thing. Number two was its dual joystick handheld, which, thank God, seriously... I, I could not play my PSP, the original, because it had just a one little thumbstick. You couldn't... Most of the games require two thumbsticks. That's just that's just how it is. Even on the iPad and the iPhone, many games you have to have two fingers on the screen. And yeah. it was just terrible. So those two things kind of got me excited, but there were still a lot of questions that I had that maybe they answered and uh, maybe they didn't. Maybe you know, David, and I don't, which is how are games delivered is it electronic is there a new media format is it umd what is it um it's not clear at this point okay so i wasn't just being lazy i they just no no
1: i i I don't remember seeing anything about um the media sort of platform um for that so um i don't know certainly from the pictures i saw of the device i couldn't see um i couldn't see anywhere where you um where you put the games in, but I would imagine if they do, if they do release uh, games for it, like, I wouldn't imagine they after the debacle that was PSB Go they would go download only. So I'd imagine they're going to have a, a flash, some kind of flash memory um, route to get the games on there as well. But uh, but I'd, I'd, I'm not sure. Here's the thing. Um,
0: yeah, download only sounds like a bad idea until you look at the iOS ecosystem. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but the problem is, and, and I actually made this point something on Twitter, because I, I, I was surprised by the reception this got. You know, a lot of people were very, very excited by it. For me, it's not the hardware. Oh, the hardware looks great. Um, you know, the, it, it does. There are some big questions about price and battery and that sort of thing. But nevertheless, the hardware looks great. The difficulty I have is Sony, Sony's ability to execute. Yeah. Because they've just failed and failed and failed. And, and is this device too late that's the question i have you know they've ceded a huge amount of market to the nintendo ds uh, and then the ios devices and uh, even if this thing is is as it's promised virtually a psp3 in a portable format the question is you know can it deliver because it needs to build its ecosystem up pretty quickly if it wants to compete with these other massive platforms i can't see Uh, it competing i just can't
0: no I think, I, I, I think I, at this point, Sony needs to concede that their portable gaming strategy isn't working and simply concentrate on software on other platforms, mm. kind of like what Sega did, you know? Release these PS1 and PS2 and even some of the PS3 titles on not necessarily the, the portable Nintendo because it's just underpowered, uh, but on the iOS devices, on Android you know, that's the only way I think they're going to succeed in the in the
1: portable gaming market. But I could be wrong. Well, I mean, who knows? I mean, the key thing is obviously is price. If this thing comes out a hundred dollars, you know, it will be a monster hit. Right. But if it's if it's three hundred, four hundred dollars, and which I suspect, yeah, then then they're not going to sell because people are going to say, you know what, it's not good enough for me to justify spending that sort of money on a handheld.
0: At this point, people already have if not an iPhone or an iPad, at least an iPod Touch, gamers. And I can't see people forking over another $400
1: for a gaming system that they still have no games for. No, and I, and I think Sony has burnt a lot of political capital with yeah. the PSP Go and the fact that the original PSP has not been well-supported the last two, three years. No. Um, you know, the software for it has kind of dried up.
0: Here's the uh, other story that I saw while we're talking about games. The new Nintendo DS 3D thing is download only, but it's tied to your handheld device, not your account. I.e., you buy a new 3DS or whatever the heck it's called from Nintendo. You buy 10 games. Six months later, your machine breaks. You have to go buy a new one. You can't simply download your games again. You have to go through Nintendo to get those games again. Um, does, does that mean you have to pay again? Well, that's what a lot of people are asking. And Nintendo, so far their answer seems to be yes, that it's tied to the hardware, not the user.
1: And I think that's a massive, massive, massive mistake. Uh, to me, that says that Nintendo doesn't think this can be a mass platform, that this is effective a niche product. I don't know you know they're they're kind of
0: pushing it like it's the next big thing in handheld games, and let's be honest, Nintendo's had a great
1: track record in handheld gaming. They pretty much invented it um yeah, but one of their one of their strong suits has always been that when they produce a new platform there's always there's always some level of backwards compatibility yes, you can go right the way back and normally pretty much every handheld they've ever released will play the previous version's games in some way. Um, and if they're breaking that now, I, I mean, my we've we've gone from um, from Game Boy to Game Boy Advance to uh, to DS to DSi to DSi XL, which we've now got. One of the things that that you know, my my kids and and my wife as well, who was also quite an uh, avid DS player, likes to do is is basically, you know, one of them finishes a game and then the other one plays, and while the other one plays, the new game. And if you can't do that, then there's not going to be any interest. And and if you've got a big library of DSi games, all of a sudden you can't even play them on the new platform. That's a problem. You, you, well, so you've got to keep the old one and have the 3D one as well. That's a non-starter.
0: Here, here's the other problem that Nintendo's never faced in portable handheld market. Um, they've owned that space forever, right? Except yeah. they don't anymore. Uh, Apple is selling a lot more games than Nintendo is. By an order of magnitude. Mm. Sony's never really been a serious competitor for them. So they're not releasing this in a vacuum any longer. There's a huge yeah. competitor out there. And how how do you convince someone to invest in a brand new game system with, again, it's the same problem that I think the PSP2 or whatever it's going to be called is facing, the iOS devices? I mean, it really is a monster hit for Apple. And people seem to love these devices, and developers are flocking to it. EA, in their in their reporting here just a couple of days ago, were were saying how much they're happy with the iOS platform. They made a ton of money over the holidays
1: because they and came out with this huge sale. Yeah, and I was to say they they made so much money, and they did that on the back of vastly reduced prices as well, which yep. means their volume must have been huge. Yep, absolutely. So. <sighs> I gotta imagine other serious
0: game developers are now looking at the iOS platform, and probably by extension Android to a lesser degree, mm. with a lot more serious intentions than they did before. Yep. Here, here's something, David. Um, while at the MacWorld Expo, and I saw the I, I saw a little bit of coverage from this before the MacWorld Expo, but I really wasn't excited about it until I was there. Uh, we were walking through. Um, you know, the hall, and Owen and I had a press tour of the Dr. Bot booth. Mm-hmm. And they had, did you see those little stick-on
1: joystick things? Yeah, in fact, I, I when I saw those, I thought, I'm probably going to invest in a couple of those. You know, I, I kind of looked at the
0: pictures online. I thought, you know, that looks really cheesy, and I can't imagine it working real well. Dude, it's awesome. Yeah. I I. I'm getting them. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's no question in my. Mind. It was really, really fantastic, and um, I
1: can't remember the name of it right now,
0: and I feel bad because I can't.
1: How easy are they to take on? Uh, take on and off. They're from. Are they from Ten One? Um, they could be.
0: Uh, I'm going to Doctor Bot right now online because they are the distributor. Doctor so they'll have them there. And uh, I'm looking at Doctor Bot, and I'm looking for—I guess you'd call it—they uh, got iPad, iPad, okay, iPad accessories, right? So I'm clicking that button, and I'm quickly scrolling down the page, and I'm not saying, There it is,
1: Fling Game Controller Controller. Yeah, ten yeah, one. That's what—that's what I thought. I'd remember. 1995. Remembered. Yeah, um, or you can get two for like thirty dollars. Right, and you need two. You really you do. You need two. because for a it's lot a of the- suction cups. Yeah, it's
0: a okay. fantastic product, David. I have to say, I mean, it's well, one I- of those that you start playing with and you're like, wow, this just makes sense. It's just awesome.
1: I'm a big fan of of kind of the the you know the first person shooter games. I yep. love playing them on my iPad, but it is. You know, sometimes it, you need that extra little bit of concentration to make sure your fingers don't kind of migrate away from the, from the areas of control. And, um, uh, yeah, this, this definitely looks like, a, like a, a, a go for me.
0: I'm looking at their website, and I'm trying to find, I think it's TuneBug, maybe? No, it's not TuneBug. There was a little universal remote control adapter that you plug into the bottom of your iPhone that they also had. Uh, Blue Trek, maybe that's it. I'm looking on their website and I'm going, oh, let's wait till I'm actually recording a show. You know, nothing like pre planning. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let me just go into iPod Touch. Let me see if it's in there. Uh, I'm not going to find it right now because I want to find it right now. That's the problem. Is it the Blue Trek Musical? Uh, I I don't know. Well, it plugs into the bottom of your iPhone or your iPod Touch and it turns it into a remote control uh, how about if I just look for remote on dr. bot's site yep l5 remote that's what it is right Uh forty nine ninety five avail availability is low because they're selling a lot of these
1: yeah now I saw there was there was a product like this that um, was at Mattwell last year yeah but it, so it was quite it was, pricey it, it was it was double the price yep. yeah I remember interviewing the developer uh, and it was a full universal remote with their own app for configurability and everything. Yep. But it was, yeah, it, it was $100. And they were selling a ton of them then. So at $50, I would imagine this thing was really flying off the shelves. You literally drag and drop the buttons where
0: you want them on your yeah. phone. Uh, they have a huge database. I think the guy said 400,000 different codes that you can access. So you basically type in the name of your uh, uh, the remote that you have, the model number. And then mm-hmm. you just use the features that you want, and it also supports mic- uh, macros, so you can click one button; it'll turn on the stereo, the TV, your cable box, and adjust the volumes where you want it. it. Just one button, right? And it was really, really easy to configure. So that's another one that you know. So far, basically, Doctor Bot's going to get like a hundred bucks from me.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but so I always find, in some ways, this is frustrating because a lot of these products. They have to be successful in the U.S. market before they find international distribution. Yeah. So, um, you know, we always, uh, if, you don't, if you're don't if you not in the States, you always have a bit of a wait before you can get a hold of these things, which is uh, is annoying, but what can you do? As you they know, David, uh, the MyMac Network produces five different shows
0: now, and one of them is Pocket Size Podcast. You know, I, what I really need to do, David, is change the ending of our shows on MyMac and yeah. uh, At Minute to reflect the new shows, but mm-hmm. I just haven't done it yet i will soon but scott willsey of pocket size podcast which by the way is a really good podcast i'm enjoying it a lot uh, i mm-hmm. listened to number four right after i listened to you and Gaz driving to the airport and yeah. i have to say it, it's really well done um so i'm i'm really enjoying it I'm, I'm happy to be producing that at my mac for scott but he sent us in some audio feedback and i thought we'd play that here on the show so hold on one second david let's play this
2: and David Scott here listening to the latest tech fan, the pre macworld version edition episode i personally anecdotal evidence here, but I see a lot of people buying iPod touches for their kids, people who have iPhones and they let their kids use them, and they see that they're great for small hands. The touch interface is obviously easy to figure out. you know when my daughter was using mine from the time she was two, she's four now, and there's all kinds of great kids' games for counting, reading, writing, etc., that aren't a waste of time. And, you know, I think at some point, people, parents with slightly more cash than I do, <laughs> have, they, they they don't want to hand over their iPhone all the time, so they buy the kid an iPod Touch, you know. I think that happens. A uh, few people I know, my dad included, who never wanted AT&T, so they didn't get an iPhone, but they enjoyed the whole pocket computer touch interface experience that Apple gave. I mean, it's basically a computer in your pocket. And... So they have iPod Touches, and they can get Internet access wherever there's Wi-Fi. And he used to take that on trips a lot with him. Now he has an iPad. He probably uses that more for things like that. But uh, So, yeah, I think there's still a market for it. I really think that iPhone will somehow continue to cannibalize over time the iPod sales, my own personal opinion. But I was wrong this time, apparently. But I know I personally will never buy another ipod i'm just going to keep upgrading iphones because i can't afford that many devices so if i'm going to choose it's going to be the iphone and i'll i'd rather upgrade it than have a really old iphone and uh, a bunch of ipods or something like that anyway just some anecdotal evidence i think i think kids are using ipod touches for games and for whatever else and and uh you know it'd be a great gift for a child whose parent can afford to give them that so Anyway, great show. Have fun at MacWorld. Hope to hear a lot from you guys from there. And uh, take care. Thanks. Bye.
1: Thanks very much for the feedback, there, Scott. So, what do you think, David? iPod Touches for the kids? Well, certainly, I, I have recommended to people who've asked me. I had, I had a colleague who a couple of Christmases ago asked me, uh, said he was, you know, was thinking about getting a DS for for one of his children, on, or, or but was also looking at iPod Touch, and I did recommend the iPod Touch to him. Uh, the reason, principal reason, being that that I thought it would last him longer than the DS, and the games were cheaper. So, um, and feedback was that the uh, the child in question was extremely delighted with his uh, iPod Touch. <laughs> so, I can I can definitely sympathise with that view. I, much as my son loves his DSi, um, I think he would be very very pleased if I gave him an iPod Touch. Yeah. There's the only. There's a couple of caveats. The cost thing, yeah, they're marginally more, but actually, if you buy refurb or you buy one of the older models, they're probably not that much more than a top of the range DS or DSI. Well, how much are games Uh, on the DSI? Well, yeah, they're what uh, over here we pay at least starting at twenty pounds up to thirty five forty pounds. Right, exactly. Yeah, for one game. Yeah, so you you the, the the return on investment of a, of an iPod Touch is is going to be pretty quick. Yeah, everything that
0: each. you've bought for your iPhone w- is going to work on there. Every yeah. game. And games yeah. are significantly less expensive on the iOS platform. It's not even close.
1: I mean, you and can get you can, some darn good games for 99 cents. Yeah. Uh, and it can do other things as well, yes. which uh, is obviously, you know, from a parental perspective is is quite a, you know, quite a good sell the fact that it can do email, it can do Um, web browsing so that you know potentially has more educational impact than a just a pure games console um so there is that the only caveat i would say on that is that obviously it is a pocket computer which means that from a parental responsibility point of view you have to kind of step in there and decide how you want your children using that yeah um, because, you know, if they know what they're doing and <laughs> these kids know more than about what they're doing with these things than we do as, as parents, you know, if they want to go and get uh, pornography or objectional material or, uh, you know, fe- Facebook uncontrolled or that sort of thing. They can do that with a with an iPod Touch, and you need to be aware of that and and take steps to make sure that your child uses it in a way that um, certainly uses it in a way that you're happy with, and certainly you have an awareness of what your child is doing with it. Um, I'm not going to turn around and say, oh, kid, kids shouldn't be able to to do whatever you know, whatever th- you know, you, your parental. Uh, thing might, might be very open. You might want them to do whatever they want, but you certainly need to be aware of what they're doing with it, and you need to kind of have the, the technical chops to kind of get in there and, and, and have some management responsibility, I think. I, I've
0: said this in the past, and I'm going to say it again. Apple needs to have multi-user on the iOS devices. Whereas yeah. you, you set up you know, the regular account and then you need a password to access that account and you can set up sub accounts underneath it, which only gives them access to whatever the master account holder gives them access to, yeah, i.e. you don't get a web browser, you don't get text, you don't have access to the cellular, cellular network if it's an iPhone, you can only play these 12 games that's on your screen, that's it. Yeah, and and Apple's well versed in that because they do it yeah. very well on the Mac already. Oh, they've been doing it for years. They had a program called At Ease. You ever hear of At Ease? Nope. Sorry about that. I was taking a uh, vitamin right then. Um, do a Google search or do a, a Wikipedia search for At Ease. One word, At Ease Apple, and basically this was software that mostly schools would put on the computer so when students came in. Um, they could only launch and access the applications that was right there in this little folder-like interface. That was it. Now, there were ways around it, and as an IT specialist back in the day, uh, consulting with quite a few districts, I would see how students were hacking into accounts, yeah. and I would close those back doors for them. But you can never completely keep them out. But you got to remember, this was the mid-'90s. Yeah. And on the iOS devices I think it'd be much easier to implement. So Apple has a ton of history on restricting a device
1: per user. Yeah, my my, my son has a has an iMac in his room. Uh he's uh, coming up on 9 so he has an emac in his room and uh, i have a lockdown account on it he can't go to websites i don't want him to go to he can't email either send or receive email from people that i don't know about and the thing is the way it's the way it's configured um he it while it will block him from doing things it will at the same time send me a message send me an email telling me what he wants to do and all i want to do if i want to approve that is just reply to that email and say yes And the computer will then let him to that website or let him receive that email or send that email.
0: It's very easy for people to say, hey, you've got to take responsibility for your kids and and watch what they're doing. That's great, and I totally agree, but give us the tools to do that easily. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Don't make me jump through hoops. Otherwise, I just won't get him the damn device. Yeah. Seriously. Speaking of devices, my um, second oldest just turned 16 um, right before I left for Macworld. So, happy birthday, Brittany. Happy birthday. Uh, she finally got her present this week. I'm sorry, is it this week? No, last week. Last weekend. Right before Isla for Macworld Expo. And what do you think we got her for her sweet 16, David?
1: Um, a bright cherry red Corvette. Absolutely, that's
0: right. We, we got her a new Corvette. And, uh, no. She got an iPhone. Yeah, and she had been saying for a long time she didn't want an iPhone. She hated apps. She just wanted a phone. She didn't want the iPhone. I said, you don't really want an iPhone? I mean, it's it's the best. It's awesome. And, no, I don't want one. Well, she wants one. So we went to the local AT&T. This was just one of her. It wasn't the present, David, but it's, you know. Yeah. For, for all intents and purposes and, and this show, this was the one we're going to talk about. Uh, she got a 3GS, an eight gigabyte, and it only costs fifty dollars at AT and T. Amazing! It's well, it's what, fifty dollars. Yeah, what's, what's the contracts on that though? Well, it's two years, but it's you know, yeah, it's a family plan, so it's just right. Okay, it, we're not going to move any to another carrier anytime soon. No. I'm not interested in going to Verizon. Yeah, um, they don't have a data plan that can match what I've got grandfathered in at AT and T. Yeah. Unlimited data, uh, 1,400 minutes for talking a month, which rolls over for a whole year. I've got like 30,000 minutes right now. Uh, Unlimited text. I mean, pretty much everything I want. Well, we got the cheapest data plan, which is only 200 megabytes a month. And I basically turned off the cellular network. So when she's not home, she really can't access anything. And I've had the discussion, you do not jump on the internet or check your email or anything on your phone unless you're here on the Wi-Fi network. And I think she got the point. (laughs) But it's all about apps for her right now. You know, she's sitting at my computer because that's where she syncs it, going through page after page after page of my apps going, I want to try this, I want to try this, I want to try that. Um, Honestly, she's playing Harry Potter Lego, which I didn't think she'd be into. And she's pay- playing Pocket God. So, but here's the thing: she got a fifteen dollars gift certificate, an iTunes gift certificate. And she asked me, "Can I use this for apps?" And I said, "Yes." Yeah. She bought three photo apps for it. That was what she yeah. wanted to do. She wanted to get these cool photo apps because she's really into photography. I thought this is this is cool. This is fun. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and and going back to kind of Scott's point about the about the iPod Touch. I think one of the things that the iPod Touch will have as competition is a lot of these older iPhones that are knocking around now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my my no, original that I paid $699 for is
0: ostensibly at this point an iPod Touch for the little kids at the house. Yeah.
1: But, but also, you know, if you can get, um, I don't know whether, you, whether they do a lot of this in, in the U.S., but, but over here, pay-as-you-go, kind of, uh, you know, a prepay cellular. They do it's that very, here. It's very big. Yeah. It's not and as big in the U.S. as it was about
0: five years ago, I think, right. maybe four years ago. Then it was really big, but, you know, here's the thing.
1: You can't get one of these smartphones, not really, on a pay-as-you-go. Well, if you but if you get an older phone, um, can you use an AT&T uh, pay-as-you-go SIM in there? Not for an iPhone, because uh, then you have phone.
0: to have data as
1: well. Uh, right. Well, the, there's plenty of them available here.
0: Yeah. Uh, the U.S. Pay-as-you-go. is really behind when it comes yeah. to... Um, the cellular networks and what's allowed and disallowed. I mean, we're really in the dark ages in the United States. It's it's kind of insulting because we're making the best phones in the world here. Yeah. And yet we've got the worst service plans and paying far more money than anybody else.
1: And we get far less access to stuff that we should have. But yeah. it is what it pretty is. M- yeah, pretty much all the carriers here do – Pay as you go with bundled data and, and and they all do an iPhone plan which includes unlimited bundled data plus pay as you go um for the um and it lasts I think that each of the SIMs lasts for 30 days for each credit you put on it so it's it's a it's a cheap way of having cellular service and um if you you know if you if you put that into a second hand iPhone then um you've got a you've got a good device you've got you've got voice as well as data um, and you're not paying through the nose, and you're not tied into a contract. So I, I can see that competing in, in, for some people with um, with uh, an iPod Touch as well. You know, because all the kids they like to be able to text and message and that sort of thing as well. Yep.
0: So I think we're going to wrap up a little bit early on this episode, David. Um, a little bit of news concerning next week's show. I'm not going to be on it. Nope. It's. Uh, you know, work and family obviously has to come first. In this case, it's, it's uh, my job at Max Specialist. I'm going to be there from Tuesday through Friday next week. And I'm usually not there on Fridays. And Fridays are the day that you and I usually record this podcast. So I'm going to be in Chicago working at the time that we would normally record. And if we waited until I got to work, it would be, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning your time. Yeah. And that's just Ch- not feasible. I-
1: it's not going to happen for me. Right. But we still want a show. We still want to produce a tech fan. Well, I'm going to look to be doing something. Um, I'm not sure exactly what yet. I've got a couple of uh, feelers out. We'll either try and get a guest on, or alternatively, I'll do something else. But one way or the other, we'll get some uh, tech fan content out next week. And I, I think it's good that tech
0: fan can be a bigger show than just me, David. Honestly. Um, Oh, well, I, I mean, after, after Macworld, I'm sick of you now anyway. <laughs> I think a lot of people. Because I didn't do just Tech Fan at Macworld. I was also on the MyMac podcast as yeah. well. Um, yeah. I kind of was all over MyMac.com and all the different shows during the Macworld. You know, I got to say, though, um, and I said it on the MyMac podcast as well, the last episode that we did from Macworld. But I want to reiterate it here because he was here for two episodes. And that was... Owen Rubin was simply fantastic at the Macworld Expo. Yeah, he was really good. I mean, he's great in the booths talking to the developers. I thought he did a great job on the Tech Fan and the MyMac podcast. It, it, the, the guy is a superstar, and I think that uh, the more he does podcasting, the more people are going to realize that he's just really, really good at it. Yeah, um, he's got a real talent. Yeah, some definitely. some personalities don't blend quite as well. Like, I don't think you and... In, in, Owen would make a good show, just the two of you. You guys got just a little bit of salt and pepper thing going on. <laughs> you know, you, you need a referee when you two are on a show together. Uh, yeah. But it's, that's good sometimes, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. At least from the listener point of view. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. And uh, I'm looking forward to I, Don't tell me what you're going to do. Just, just do it and send me the uh, files and I'll get it posted and I'll listen to it. After it's live, like everyone else, I'll edit it for you and put the theme in. You know all those things, but I'm
1: looking forward to seeing what you do with it, David. Okay. okay. Am. Well, well. Uh, I, I, so you say, "Don't tell me what you're going to do." You just you you imply with that that I actually know what I'm going to do. <laughs> by the time you actually sit down and record it, I would hope so. <laughs>
0: oh, but unlike oh, this okay. show this week, because <laughs> here's what most people don't realize, David, we started recording about 45 minutes ago. And your first question is, so what are we going to talk about? What are
1: we talk about.
0: And I said, I don't know. Just follow my lead.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I knew a few things. I knew we were going to talk about the daily because it's it's a great concept. It's a huge investment by a big company, and I'm I've got a vested interest in where it goes. I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I think they could podcast from within the app.
1: They can have an audio show built right into the daily. Now, actually, it's interesting you say that. There's one thing I wanted to um, I wanted to, to very was, was just discuss very briefly with you. I got a little bit frustrated with the Macworld coverage last week because um, because the show was so busy and they didn't have any uh, press coverage or any opportunity for the press to see show the show floor before the show started. Yeah. Um, most of the content that was coming out was either audio or video as people were on the show floor. Um, and there was very little written content. Now, the problem is if you want to kind of get a flavor for the show, you really want to be able to read it. Because the, the difficulty with, with an audio piece or, or a video piece is that until you've consumed that content, you don't know whether you like it. That's right. Right? Uh, so you don't know whether there's a product that interests you. And, and unfortunately, the nature of the way sometimes you have to do those sorts of interviews, and I know from from having done them myself, is that you may not know you will know a little bit about the product but you will actually be learning about the product as the guy's talking to you on the interview and you may not know till the end what it costs or what the downsides of it might be and there's nothing more frustrating about hearing something that was really cool and then by the you get to the end of it you realize the thing is too expensive for you or there's a, a, a flaw in it that particularly doesn't appeal to you and of course when you're reading stuff you can kind of scan through quickly and really get a feel for that whereas with video and audio you can't so i was frustrated that the the content was so much slanted by everybody who was at the show and and i'm not blaming anybody for this i think it was just the nature of the way the show was organized that there was no opportunity to get written material out about it before the show started because a lot of that stuff didn't really hit the web till sunday or monday um and you know it was kind of like well and I wonder whether whether maybe the IDG next year wants to think about maybe having a, you know, a media kind of day, a, a media day, or or maybe at least a media walk around before the show starts proper. Um, if you it's going to be need more than a walk,
0: you need an entire day to really walk through us press to see what's going on, what's worth covering, make plans the rest of the week. We get emails on the companies that's going to be there, but it's just an email, and we get so many of them, you just kind of discard them. You don't know what's going to be cool and what's going to be worth looking at and talking about until you're actually there. And that's by right. the time you get on the showroom floor, like you said, it's, it was just a madhouse, David. As yeah. busy as it was last year, and you were there for a day last year, yeah. it was twice as busy I felt. I mean, it was just, there were aisles that I literally
1: could not go down. Yeah. So and, and I totally I agree. In of, yeah, in terms of delivering the value for the exhibitor, IDG needs to, to try and learn something from that, really, because 20, whatever it is, 25,000, 35,000 people who visit the show is fine. And obviously, vendors are getting to show their products to, to that. But the audience for some of, uh, you know, for shows like this and for, um, you know, some of the other blogging sites and everything is, is as much as that again or more. And um, they need to be able to, to do that for their exhibitors, I think.
0: My, my biggest problem with Macworld Expo was how little coverage it was getting in the Macweb.
1: Yeah, I, that, that was, I, I, well, I'm I <laughs> a note to you, actually, to say, you know, I was surprised how little coverage it was getting. And um, it, it almost seems to be like, oh, Apple's not there, so it's kind of been written off. I think yeah. that's a bit unfair. I totally to agree.
0: Yeah. Um, not to pat ourselves on the back, but we had some of the best coverage as far as news stories, well, or posts anyways, related to the Macworld Expo as anybody else out there. Now, the unofficial Apple weblog did a great job. Yeah. Uh, I think as far as covering the show, they were probably number one. I mean they just it was fantastic. But they had like ten people there in their own booth, so and those people are paid. (laughs) So it, it it would have been a shame had they not been up there like that. But even Macworld's own site really wasn't focused on the Expo except for the big live video thing that they had running at the top of the page.
1: And even that, I've got to be honest, I went to Macworld's site and, and it was hard to find. It was hard to find how to get to that stream. Um, it wasn't self-evident. Right. Um, unless maybe when I was looking, the stream wasn't running. But I, again, I would have thought if the stream wasn't running, they would have had reruns or, you know, they would have had constantly stuff going on with that rather than just just live. So um, I, th- I think, you know, obviously it's early days with this, the show in this format. So they need to kind of tweak it and keep doing. And and, and hopefully, as you say, it will be successful enough that, that the thing is, is a going concern for for uh, the next few years, foreseeable at least, without uh, people starting to debate about its, uh, its viability.
0: You know, I'm at their website right now, Macworld.com. Um, and I don't even see a link to the videos that they have there. There was a link at one point where you can watch the stuff that was taped. Oh, wait. Macworld Expo 2011. Click that and see if the videos are there. Because I'm... Not that I care if my video is up there. um, But I am curious. Yep. And the videos are there. Um, Mac editors wrap up. The future of the Mac. It doesn't look like they've got all of the shows there. In fact, it looks pretty paltry. Uh, compared to the amount of content that was produced on that stage.
1: I think this is actually World's own coverage. I think so. Mainly, rather than... There's a couple of expo presentations there, but they haven't got them all done yet. No. Um, and, and again, it would be nice, and, you know, this is just... Uh, Advice, hopefully, we'll get you know in the next few months. We will get a chance to speak to Paul Kent once he's recovered, uh, and talk about how it went and 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 put some suggestions forward. For me, I'd like IDG to have a really you know crack team of video editors working on this all the time so the stuff was up as quickly as possible, yes. And, um, you know, the and really make it much more of a virtual expo rather than just for the people who are
0: there. Why not yeah. have simply someone on the floor. With the live camera, or two people, or three people, little crews walking around, one guy in the control room switching between the different three feeds that's getting pushed out right then. You're going to get some swearing and that stuff. That's what's going to happen. But I think that would be a real great how I can attend ext- the Macworld Expo without actually being there.
1: Yeah. All
0: right, David, we're going to wrap up the show. Um, I forgot to bring my power pack with me, it, it's uh, running on battery power. I've got very little left, so I gotta okay. stop recording, take this back home, and plug it into uh, my wall outlet so I can get some juice and get this show posted. I'm looking forward to seeing what you do with tech fan next week. I'll be back uh, the week after. We'll be back to our regular schedule with David and I at that point unless David's doing something and then <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> figure something out. But no, i'm I'm real pleased that um, tech fan can happen without me being actually on the mic. I, I would definitely love the show to be more than just, hey, it's Tim's show. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm glad that uh, that you're here and that you could do the show without me. Cool. Cool. Awesome. All right, man. See you next week. Take care.